You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, it's time for God's word. I'm not going to preach long, but it's going to be a blessing. Open your Bibles to the book of Amos. Amos and chapter 3. We're only reading one verse. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. Let's rise up for the reading of God's word in honor of the second person of the Trinity, the living word of God. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. Let's read it together. It's just one verse. It says, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Let's read it again. Can two work together unless they are agreed? You see, there are some protocols for walking together with one another. Equally, there are some essential protocols to be able to walk together with God. Our pilot text that we just read reveals that agreement is one of the essential protocols to walk with anyone, let alone God. Agreement is key to walking with another. You cannot sustainably walk with somebody that you are not in agreement with. Am I talking to anybody? There is power in agreement. We should understand the power of agreement. Power is released when we agree. Whenever we agree, power is released. Our potential is exponentially increased when we are in agreement. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together, what? In agreement, in unity. One shall chase a thousand, two shall chase ten thousand. When there is agreement, when they agree, Matthew 18 and verse 20, whenever we gather together in his name, he is there. Whoo, hallelujah. The secret source is agreement. In the same Matthew 18, 18 and verse 19, it says, If two of you agree on earth and regarding anything, my Father in heaven will do it. Hallelujah. Oh my. So this is the power of agreement, that our very agreement attracts the motion of God. Can I announce to somebody this Sunday morning that even as we have gathered together in the name of the Lord and we are together in agreement, uh, speedy answers are coming to your various requests in the mighty name of Jesus. God moves and responds to the power of agreement. <laughs> Didn't you read about the Tower of Babel? Just the fact that they were agreed drawed the attention of God. That God said, ah, if this agreement stands, whatever they imagine to do, even things that are outside my will, they will do. So he had to deal with their, their agreement and mess it up so that they could not understand one another once again. Listen to me. Nothing is established without agreement. The principle is throughout the word of God. It says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You know, a lot of the time you, 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 you go to naming ceremonies, you go to weddings, and you think you are there just to be spectator. You are not there to just be spectator. Your witness, a lot of the time, is an addition of agreements. 
Let every word be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Simply your, your, your agreement there establishes the word such that if anybody were to query that event in the future, because you were present, you say, no, 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 I was there, I saw it happen. I added my agreement to it. I need you to be conscious of the power of agreement and therefore be able to apply it where you need to apply it. Such is the power of agreement between us. Now consider how much more powerful our agreement with God. If the agreement between two human beings can be so powerful, can you imagine the type of power that is released when we are in agreement with God? We cannot walk with God without being in agreement with God. Today we are dealing with how to walk with God and the simple subject of my meditation is come, walk with me. It's God that's calling. He says, come, walk with me. Like a father calls his son, he says, come, walk with me. Let's pray. Father, speak, illuminate, liberate, raise up, and release. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. As you take your seat, whisper to your neighbor, come, walk with me. Come, walk with me. Hallelujah. Over the last couple of weeks, we have clearly established that we are called to walk with God and not work for God. Walk, W-A-L-K, with God, not work, W-O-R-K, for God. There is a call of God upon your life. Oh, help me tell your neighbor there's a call of God upon your life. Tell somebody else, I don't know what you are going through right now, but let me remind you that God is still calling you. There's a call of God upon your life. God calls all men all men God calls to predestinated glory. But whether you get to that destination glory or not is dependent on how you res respond to his call, whether you say yes or no to his call. He doesn't call the qualified. He calls the unqualifies, unqualified and qualifies them. For whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he glorified. So even though you feel you are unqualified for the call of God, I came to encourage somebody this Sunday morning that you are more than qualified. In fact, your unqualification is God's qualification. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You feel you are not up to what God is calling you to do. You, don't, you feel you don't have the equipment, you don't have the pedigree, you don't have the know-how, you don't have the background, but God says exactly that's what I'm attracted to because I'm the one going to justify you. I'm the one that's going to qualify you. I'm the one that's going to give you every resource you need to fulfill what I have called you to do. If you believe what I'm saying, come and shout amen. Regardless of what you are going through right now, regardless of, of what you've been through or what you have even done, God is still calling you. Whoo! 
doesn't matter how young, how old you are, God is still calling you. As long as you are on this side of eternity, guess what? God keeps on calling. His call is persistent. And he is calling us to walk with him, not to work for him. Now, somebody has still been struggling and been saying, what's the big deal in this demarcation between walking with God and working for God? Why does there have to be a clear demarcation between this, these two things? Isn't it a good thing to desire to work for God? Why would you vilify working for God? I owe him a debt. I want to work for him. And on the surface level, it would seem to be a noble aspiration to want to work for God. But when you look deeper, you start to realize that it is not. It is not. Because workers for God are employees. They have an employee mindset and they are working for a salary, a reward, or to pay off a debt that they owe. But walkers, those that are walking with God, uh, they are sons and they are daughters uh, walking because they know that all things things have already been paid for and there is no debt owed anymore because Jesus paid in full. If you understand what I'm saying and you are a walker with God, go ahead and give God the praise. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not jettisoning working because there is work to be done, uh, but I'm putting it in the right perspective so that we realize that when we work, we do not work for God, we work with God. We are co-laborers in his vineyard. We are fellow workers. I'm not an employee. I'm a son of God. I'm not laboring by myself. I'm laboring with him. I'm not uh, Johnny just come lately given a job to do. No, no, sir. I I am partner with God. I am a friend of God. I am a son of God. Is there anybody like me under the sound of God, my voice? Come and give God the praise. So I'm not saying there's not work to be done. I'm saying that the premise of the work is totally different. And the mindset behind the work is totally different. I'm a walker with God. And the work I do is coming out of the walk that I have with him. So I am working with him. That's what the scripture said. Co-laborers. Co-laborers. Fellow workers. Can you imagine that almighty God is my partner? Woo! Hallelujah. That's the status, that's the level at which I am at. Hallelujah. Uh, but for clear understanding, we still need to compare and contrast these two things. These are two siblings, brothers, sisters. They are twins, uh, walk and work. Uh, yeah. uh, very often, we can't even seem to be able to really differentiate them because they look so similar. Uh, we, 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 but to, we tell, tell them apart, we must. This sibling rivalry between walking and working is seen throughout the word of God. Uh, work versus walk. 
working for and walking with. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life. Did you hear me what I'm saying? Cain and Abel. Yeah. Lot and Abraham. Ishmael, the son of the bondwoman. Self-righteousness and labor. And Isaac, the son of promise. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? Esau and Jacob. Joseph versus his brothers. All through the word of God. Manasseh and Ephraim. Miriam and Moses. The ten spies and Joshua and Caleb. Penina and Hannah. Work versus walk. Eli's sons versus Samuel. Saul versus Saul. Absalom versus Solomon. The Pharisees versus Jesus. Religion versus relationship. Work versus walk. Law versus grace. Self-righteousness versus God-imputed righteousness. For we who knew no sin became the righteousness of God. He who knew no sin became sin that we who knew no righteousness might become the righteousness of God. The first Adam versus the last Adam, Christ Jesus. The older brother versus the prodigal. Do you see it? Do you see it? All through the word of God, from the old covenant all the way into the new, we see still this context, con contest between working for and walking with God. And last week, Sunday, we looked at Martha versus Mary. You know, the contrast between work and walk is seen in the choices that Martha and Mary made, where Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus, and Martha was consumed with working for, distracted with laboring for the Lord. Work versus walk. But today I want to complete their story quickly before I give you some key points on how to walk with God. Because the story of Martha and Mary continues into the book of John chapter 11 and the majority of that chapter tells you another rich story of them. You see, Martha and Mary were the sisters of Lazarus. Now, Lazarus was a supporter of Jesus' ministry and a dear friend very close to him and Jesus loved Lazarus greatly. Now Lazarus was definitely sick and Jesus and so Mary and Martha sent for Jesus. They asked for Jesus. Such was their uh, relationship uh, that they could send a message and say, hey, your, your, your friend is sick. We need you to come over. And the scripture says uh, that Jesus got that message, but then he deliberately tarried for four more days. Four days. Have you ever felt like that before? You know how you sent a message to God and you thought that the answer was going to come like, like this and then it looks like he's just waiting? Am I talking to anybody? 
Jesus waited and then the, uh, what was fairly good before uh, got bad and then what was bad be- became badder. <laughs> what was badder became worse. And what was worse became the worst. And you said, but, but I sent the message to Jesus when it wasn't this bad and he hasn't come yet. What's going on here, Jesus? Aren't you the Savior, Jesus? Don't you answer prayers anymore, Jesus? And then Jesus now tells his disciples, okay, now it's time to go. I said, let's go and wake up Lazarus from sleep. The disciples didn't understand. They said, "Ah, if he's sleeping, he will wake up. Why do we have to travel to go and wake up somebody that is sleeping? Jesus had to give them understanding. He said, let me tell you what, Lazarus is dead. And then Thomas, in normal fashion, says, oh, let us go and die with him. Let's go and cry. Let's go and mourn. You know, this is terrible. (laughs) Jesus said that. You don't understand what's happening here. So Jesus embarks on the journey, and he's going to go and meet Mary and Martha, who have now sent for him. Four days late, Lazarus is dead. Yeah? And as he's getting close to Bethany, which is the city or the town, the village where they live, the message gets to Mary and Martha that Jesus is around the corner. And Martha runs to go and meet Jesus, even before Jesus arrives at the house. Who's going to be my Martha? Kemi, come, Kemi, come. You did a great job with praise and worship. Just run up. Be my Martha. Kemi, run up, run up, run up. So Martha runs up to meet Jesus on the way, yeah? She leaves Mary at home. Mary's sitting at home. Martha has run to come and meet Jesus. She's heard that Jesus is on the way. So Jesus is on his way to go meet Tomari, you are my Mary today. Is on the way to go and meet Mary and Martha. Martha hears, Martha runs and goes to meet Jesus on the way. And Martha tells Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then as spiritual as she is, she goes ahead and says, but I know that even now, you can do something about it. And Jesus says, yes, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, I believe. We shall all be raised from the dead in the final day. We will all rise and go to heaven. Ah. Jesus says that I don't, you don't seem to understand what I'm talking about. I'm saying that right now, right here, I am the resurrection and the life. I can intervene in this situation. Ah. Martha, and then he asks her again, he said, do you believe this? Do you believe I'm the resurrection and life? Now, if you study the scripture closely, Martha's response is very interesting. Martha says, I believe that thou art the Christ that has come to save the world. What did Jesus ask her? Do you believe I'm the resurrection and the life? Do you believe I can still do something in this situation? 
Martha's answer, she was answering a question she was not being asked. And before you judge Martha, and I must once again reiterate that Jesus loves both Mary and Martha. He has no problem with both. He loves them equally. He loves them intensely. In fact, I believe that the extreme examples between Mary and Martha is actually for our benefit. God allowed them to do the things that they did so that we could be instructed in the day that we live in today. Does anybody hear me what I'm saying? I love Martha. So don't say that pastor doesn't like Martha. That's why he's preaching like this. All right? I love Martha too. But we see the example here. And a lot of us are like Martha. Jesus is asking us one thing. We are answering something totally different. And typically, it's because we haven't gotten an intimate walk with God. We have a work for God where we want to earn things. Even though she seems to be saying the right words, she is speaking a language that unveils or reveals that she actually has unbelief in her heart. In her heart. Then there's something interesting that happens in the recounting of this story. It says that then Martha went back and went to tell Mary, the master is calling you. Now, I don't know. The scripture never records Jesus telling Martha to go and call Mary. So I, I don't know. Maybe the scripture didn't record it, that Jesus actually said that. Or maybe Martha realized that I have goofed here and I need somebody to come and save the scenario. And in her mind, Mary is, is Jesus' favorite anyway. So let me get Mary to intervene. You know how we all feel that there's somebody that is favorite and we are not? And meanwhile, God says, you are all my favorites. You are as favorite as you choose to be. You are as close as you choose to be. I'm not the one choosing who's closest. You choose how close you will be. Is anybody hearing me? But in her mind, you know, workers are trapped in the world of comparison. So they're always comparing themselves with other people and thinking this one has it better than me. So uh, uh, that's why I'm disqualified. And so if I'm going to get anything done, I might as well get the favorites to intervene. So she tells Mary, the master is calling you. Mary was sitting at home. You see, it seems as if Mary is accustomed to sitting, you know. When Jesus came to their house the other day, she chose to sit at Jesus' feet. Now all hell has broken loose. Her brother has died. Jesus is coming. She, like Martha, heard that Jesus was coming. She still sat still at home because she wasn't going to make a move until she heard the Lord. She was not going to make a move until she heard the Lord. So Martha comes and meets Mary and says, the Lord is calling you. And because she hears the Lord is calling her, Mary now comes. So Mary comes to Jesus. Martha stays now. Mary comes. Now the scripture says that immediately Mary got to Jesus. What did she do? She fell on her knees at his feet. <laughs> this was an act of submission. This was an act of, of humility. This was an act of recognition. And then, I don't know, maybe she was reminding Jesus of something. 
because she often sat at his feet. Maybe her falling at his feet and crying was to remind him of the relationship that he has with her to remind him that I, I, I don't just, I don't have a work for you, I have a walk with you. Uh, falling at her feet was an act of worship, at his feet was an act of worship at the same time. Now listen, Mary now says exactly the same thing that Martha said. She said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So on the surface, there is no difference between what she has outwardly said and what Martha had outwardly said. And that's why sometimes it's hard to differentiate between the walker and the worker because outwardly they look exactly the same and might even use the same words. But the postures are totally different. The heart relationship is totally different. And then the famed shortest verse in the Bible happens. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus cried. Why did Jesus weep? Now, the scripture tells us that the people around thought that he was weeping for Lazarus because Lazarus was close to him. Well, maybe that's a possibility. Um, they, they, they felt that he was weeping because he was so pained. Um, uh, uh, but, but I believe that Jesus wept because... Somebody who had a walk with him was going through a painful situation. For he's not a high priest that is untouched by the feelings of our infirmity. He felt her pain in that moment. He, oh my goodness, this is Jesus. Jesus is prophet. Jesus is priest. Jesus is king. Uh, when he was talking to his disciples, it was the prophet that was speaking and saying, let us go and wake up Lazarus. That's the prophet that speaks audacious statements about what's going to happen in the future. But when he encounters Mary, this is where we meet the priest because the priest is the intercessor. The priest is the one that feels your pain, a high priest that is not untouched by the feelings of our infirmity. And you see, I'm not beating up on Martha, but when Martha came, Martha stopped Jesus in his tracks. Jesus was on his way. But then the scripture says, it's very interesting, Don't, there are no meaningless, meaningless details in the word. The scripture says that Martha went, called Mary who was still seated at home. Mary comes, and the scripture was specific that Mary met Jesus where Martha had left him. It must have taken time for Martha to get home, call Mary, Mary to come and meet Jesus. Jesus had not moved an extra step because unbelief always stops Jesus from moving. So Martha's unbelief had stopped Jesus. Mary comes and Jesus weeps. And then what's Jesus' next statement? Where did you lay him? Because those who have a walk with God are able to move him. He's touched by the feelings of our infirmity, but he's moved by our faith. Thank you, Mary. Tamari, sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know the rest of the story. Well, there's, there's another interesting beat in the rest of the, rest of the story. Because then Jesus gets to the place where they had laid Lazarus, and there was a big stone on the tomb, right? And then Jesus says, roll away the stone. Who shows up? Do you know the story? 
Martha. Not Kemi, Martha. Martha jumps up and says, Jesus, he's been dead for days. He'll be smelling by now. Let's leave him be. Because workers are always looking for a way of escape, an explanation instead of a manifestation. They're more concerned about how things look than deep, intimate, genuine relationship. And then Jesus has to reprimand and say, did I not tell you that I am the resurrection and the life? Step aside. Roll away the stone. And then Jesus, the story is not about Lazarus' resurrection today, but it's so sweet to hear. Jesus says, Lazarus! He had to say Lazarus, because if he didn't say Lazarus, everybody that was in that tomb would have had to come out. He had to be specific. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he that had been dead for four days came out of the grave, hopping and jumping, still bound out her hand and foot. And Jesus said, loose that man and let him go. But the story is not about Lazarus today. The story is about Mary and Martha, and the marked difference between Mary and Martha, and the marked difference that we are spotlighting and highlighting today is that Mary was a walker while Martha was a worker. Mary was a walker while Martha was a worker. Mary walked with God, Martha, Martha worked for God. Now, I hope you are more than convinced of the ascendancy of walking with God over working for God. That in fact, you are not called to work for God. You are called to walk with God. And out of your walk with God will be birthed a work with him also, never for him. And so now I can bring this message and this series to uh, somewhat of a close uh, by quickly giving you a few pointers on how to walk with God. Uh, and contrary to uh, what would be in, in, instinctive to do, uh, walking with God does not start with walking. Walking with God does not start with walking. Before you can really take your first step in walking with God, the first thing you actually need to do is you must sit. Somebody say sit. You've got to sit down. Walking with God starts with sitting at his feet and learning of him. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? We are in a rush to get walking and get working. But God says, no, that's not where it starts. Where you really need to start is to sit down. Somebody shout, sit down. This is counterintuitive. We are often in a rush to do one thing or the other. But God starts first by saying, sit down. If you don't sit down first, you will ever struggle with being able to tell the difference between walking and working. Mary's walk with Jesus started with her often sitting at his feet. Somebody say, sit down. 
This is the posture of a student. This is the posture of humility. This is the posture of teachability. Sit down. Uh, we have a problem in the church global today. Too few people are willing to sit down and learn. Sit down and be taught. Uh, before you do anything, you must sit down and learn what has already been done for you by Christ Jesus. Somebody shout, sit down. <laughs> in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor, uh, workers, and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. There's still a yoke, but it's his yoke. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will give, you, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus says, come sit, come learn. First thing you need to do is sit down and learn. We are often too restless uh, that we are not learning and absorbing and being established in the truth of the finished work. Oh, as a good pastor, I'm often frustrated when in the time of the teaching and the time of the word of God is when people get themselves busied with, oh, I need to quickly tell this person that, that thing. I need to quickly talk to that person. I need to quickly run up and do this, that, and the other. No, 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 no. At the time of teaching is the time when everything else stops and is, yes, I'm sitting at his feet to learn the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is the finished work. The truth is what Christ has already done for you. That's what we need to first of all have grasped. When we fully comprehend, when we are rooted and grounded in the love of God, then we can start to rise from that revelation to walk with God. In Paul's professorial thesis, I like to call the book of Ephesians Paul's professorial thesis. I believe it's one of the richest epistles that Paul ever wrote. We see the appropriate process of the Christian life because the first two and a half chapters, Paul's emphasis is on sitting. Ah, Paul's emphasis is on sitting. Ephesians chapter 1, 2 and a little bit of chapter 3. What he's teaching us is how to sit. He's telling us what has already been done for us. He's telling us that we are forgiven. We are redeemed. Uh, he's telling us that we are chosen. He's telling us that we are God's elect. He's telling us that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And then in the next two chapters, he starts to tell us about walking. He starts to tell us about the various relationships in life and how to conduct ourselves in those various relationships of life. So it is from sitting to walking. And then finally, he tells us in the latter chapter of Ephesians that I've had Having done all to stand, stand therefore. You are only able to stand after you have done all to stand. What was the all that you needed to do to stand? You had to first of all sit down and then walk with God and now you can stand on the finished work of Christ. If you believe me what I'm saying, if you grasp what I'm teaching this Sunday morning, go ahead and give God the praise. So if you want to learn how to walk with God, the place it starts is not with walking, but with sitting. Sit down and learn. And we never stop sitting down to learn. Uh, I've been 20 plus going on 30 years walking with the Lord. I still sit.
sit down, sit down, sit down. The second step to walking with God, the scripture tells us in the book of Genesis that Enoch walked with God and was translated unto glory. He walked with God and he was translated unto glory. Now Hebrews' report of that same event tells us or summarizes Enoch's life by saying that his testimony of faith was what granted him translation unto glory such that he did not taste death. Oh yes. Enoch walked with God and Enoch had faith. Enoch walked with God and Enoch had faith. So this teaches us something when we bring it together. Enoch walked with God by faith. It was faith that enabled Enoch's walk with God. What is this teaching us? It's teaching us that it takes faith to walk with God. The second key ingredient to be able to walk with God is that you have to be a person of faith. You have to be a man or a woman of faith. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and seven, verse 7 says, we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. If you are going to walk with God, you are going to have to engage faith. It takes faith to walk without, with God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to walk with God if you don't have faith. You can't walk unless you have faith. You can't walk with God without faith. So you have to be very deliberate about the building and the nurturing of your faith. Romans 8 and verse 18, faith comes by hearing and the hearing of the word of God. So I'm very deliberate on making sure that I'm constantly hearing the word of God to build my faith because it takes faith to be able to walk with God. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, uh, there are many other keys I can give you as to how to walk with God, but I'm going to give you another, a third and final key for walking with God, and it is from our pilot text. We've come full circle round back to our pilot text. You cannot walk with God without being in agreement with God. No two can work together unless they be agreed. So you've got to agree with God. You have to choose to agree with God above all others. You have to choose to agree, believe the report of the Lord and not any other report. You have to let every man and every situation and circumstance be a liar and let God alone be true. Agree with who God says you are above what anybody else says that you are. Agree with God's word over your life. You can't walk with God if you don't agree with God. Minister God's will come and help me. God says, come and walk with me. God, he said, come, let's walk together. The, 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 the challenge is we can't walk together unless we be agreed. So God is trying to take you this way and you are going the other way. No, come and walk. No, come and walk. Come. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to agree with him. You have to follow Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You have to let him take the lead and let him lead you. And when he leads you, he will lead you beside still waters. He will lead 
lead you in places of peace. He will lead you through your challenges when you walk with God. Then in Psalm 23, it says, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now notice, stay over there. Notice that all earlier it was, uh, he leads me, he guides me, he restores my soul. Then he goes, though I walk. So that means you stopped following his lead and started doing your own thing. Uh, every time you don't follow his lead, you get into trouble. The valley of the shadow of death. But guess what? This our God is such a good God that even when you walk away, he does not walk away. Why does he not walk away? Because he's omnipresent. That means even though you thought you were walking away from him, he was already where you are walking to. That's why he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that even there, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Oh, the rod and the staff is now supposed to help bring me back into alignment to continue to walk with God. If you're going to walk with God, you have to be in agreement with God. You have to follow his lead. And let me tell you something about walking with God. Sometimes it's going to take you through valleys that you can't understand. But when you can't understand trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Even I don't understand the way he is taking me through. I trust him. Trust focuses on the character of God while faith focuses on the ability of God. I like faith. It focuses on the ability but you've got to know that you need trust also because sometimes God doesn't do what you want him to do but because you know his character you trust him that he didn't do it because he knows better than you know. If you understand Understand what I'm saying this Sunday morning. Go ahead and give God the praise. Thank you, Minister Godswill. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, there are countless blessings of walking with God. Uh, Minister Godswill, I'm still going to need you. Come on, come, come, come. There are countless blessings of walking with God. Hold on to my jacket for a few moments. You see, who you walk with shapes you. Who you walk with shapes you. Uh, walk with the wise, you become wise. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Walk with six wise pe pe people, you'll be the seventh. Uh, the reverse is also true. Walk with six foolish people, you'll be the seventh. Because whoever you walk with shapes you. And so you have to be careful that the company that you choose to walk with. Now those who walk with God, God rubs off on them. God rubs off on them. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to start get becoming shaped uh, into the image of the sun. Hey, the Bokaya. It gets to a point in time that when you see them, it will be as if uh, you were seeing God because God has so much rubbed off uh, on them. Who you walk with, uh, it shapes you. Uh, uh, when you walk with God, you have his presence. Remember that donkey that was carrying Jesus into Jerusalem and the whole town was going crazy with praise and with thanksgiving. They were throwing palms and clothes in front of the donkey as he rode into Jerusalem. The donkey was confused for a few moments saying that I've gone through these roads at other times and nobody took no 
notice of me. Uh, but the donkey would have been mistaken if he thought that it was because of him that all this glory was now being given to him. It had nothing to do with the, the donkey. It had to do with who the donkey was carrying. When you carry Jesus, there are certain things that will happen in your life that has nothing to do with you. It's about who you are walking with. When you walk with Jesus, you have his presence. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So now I faced a, a, a daunting enemy and all of a sudden I see that the enemy is shaking in his shoes and he's coming against me one way and yet he's scattered in seven different ways and I'm wondering am I all that and a bag of chips? But then I realize that it's not me it's who I am walking with. So the enemy is not running away from me, he's running away with the God that I'm walking with. These are the blessings and the benefits of walking with God. Is anybody hear me what I'm saying? The scripture says that Enoch walked with God and he did not taste death. He was translated unto glory. So he had a divine exemption from death. Can I prophesy to somebody this Sunday morning that as you walk with God, you are about to experience divine exemptions. Uh, when there is death all around, you will be exempted. When there is sickness all around, you will be exempted. When they say there's a casting down, you shall say that there is a lifting up. When you walk with God, you will have divine exemptions. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enoch named his son Methuselah. Methuselah was the great-grandfather of Noah, the builder of the ark. And the name Methuselah means that when he is taken, uh, it shall come. What shall come? The flood shall come. For it was in the very year, if not the very day, that Methuselah died, that the flood was released. So the question is, how did Enoch know to name his son Methuselah, the great-grandfather of Noah? He named his son multiple years before the flood was even on the horizon. Why? Because those who walk with God have access to secret knowledge. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. God starts to be able to start whispering things in your ears, telling you what is to come. Hallelujah. These are the blessings of walking with God. Is anybody ready to determine I'm going to walk with God in the name of Jesus? Come and show yeah. Yes. Listen, when you are walking with God, you are walking with the omnipotent, the omniscient. Omniscient means that he knows all things. That means keep on walking. That means keep on walking. That means even though all hell is breaking loose, if he's the one leading you, keep on walking. Why? Omniscient, omniscient, 
omnipresent, meaning he has already, he already knows where the deliverance is. He already knows where the breakthrough is. He already knows where the, 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 the opening of the door is. Even though it looks right bleak right now, keep on walking. As long as you're walking with God, keep on walking. Because if you keep on walking, you're going to walk into that new job. You're going to walk into that breakthrough. We are going to walk into that new day. If you believe me what I'm saying, keep on walking. Help me tell your neighbor, keep on walking. I got some pain in my body, keep on walking. I'm tired, keep on walking. I don't understand, keep on walking. As long as you're walking in God, you're walking with God, you are going to walk into your miracle. I prophesy that even before the close of the month of March, you are going to walk into your miracle. You are going to walk into your divine, supernatural turnaround. If you believe me what I'm saying, come and shout, yeah! Keep on walking with God. Keep on walking with God. Keep on walking with God. He's leading you to where he has already destined for you. Listen, when God makes a promise to you, he's not promising you oh, what he's going to do. He's omnipresent. He's promising you what he has already done. All he needs for you to do is to walk with him into the finished work. Hallelujah. If you are happy, if you are, if you are elated, if you are liberated by knowing the blessings of walking with God, go ahead and give him the praise even right now. Exalt his holy name. Hallelujah. Woo! We give you the glory. We give you the praise. Unprecedented favor is to those who walk with God. When you walk with God, you walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Father, we give you the glory. I need a face tower. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. There is no God like unto you. Hallelujah. 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 Take the next two minutes and think about the three keys to walking with God that I gave you. Identify the one that you feel is your weakest link and talk to the Lord about it now. <clears throat> the, are you someone that is struggling with sitting down to learn, sitting down to humbly receive, to build and set up a structure for constantly receiving the tutelage of word, God's word so that you establish the word of God? This is the time to talk to the Lord that, Lord, help me to sit. Help me to sit. Are you somebody that knows that my faith is weak? My faith is not fed. I'm, I'm being fed by so many other things rather than the things that feed faith. Talk to the Lord about it now and say, Lord, help me. Help me to be deliberate about being fed by your word. That my faith be fed. Or are you somebody that is struggling with agreeing with God? You hear God saying this is uh, nah, 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 not agreeing. You're struggling with agreeing with God. Talk to the Lord right now because no two can work together unless they be agreed. Identify your weakest link in those three things and quickly talk to the Lord about it and say, Lord, help me. Help me in this area. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a turnaround in this area. 
in the name of Jesus. I'm going to be more diligent and disciplined on sitting under your word. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be very deliberate about the feeding of my faith because no one can walk with you without faith. I'm going to be very deliberate about choosing to agree with you above all else and all others. And then as you round up your personal prayer, I want you to focus on the blessings of walking with God. I say, Lord, I receive these blessings. As I determine and I decide this morning to walk with you and not with any other, may all the blessings of walking with you be indeed my portion in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 If you're out there and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior yet, he's calling you. He keeps on calling you. He set it up for you. All he needs you to do is to say yes and come into his, into his call. His predestination for you is glory. But he needs you to say yes to the call. Then he can justify you. Then he can qualify you. And then he can glorify you. So if you are ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, please repeat these words of prayer with me as the congregation also supports me, whether you're online or you're even in the hall. Say these gentle words of prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the price that you paid, for giving your life for me. Today, I repent of my sin. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I believe with my heart. I've confessed with my lips. And therefore, by faith, I am born again. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. If you pray that prayer, you are indeed saved and welcome to the body of Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We want to help you grow from being a child of God to becoming a mature son of God. Guess what? When you got born again, in that instant, all of God, everything that you need was deposited inside you. But you need to come and learn of him so that all those limitless capacities start to become a reality in your daily experience. Um, so we encourage you to get in touch with us on any and all of our platforms, email us, follow the pathway on the website, and let's get you plugged in so that you move from height to height, from level to hell level, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If this is your first time worshiping with us on a Sunday morning like this in House on the Rock London, um, please can you rise up to your feet wherever you are in the hall. Any, any first time guests this, this Sunday, please rise up to your feet. Don't just raise your hand. Rise up, rise up, rise up. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Rise up. Rise up, rise up. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not trying to put you on the spot, but please could you remain standing for just a few moments. My name is Temi Odejide. I'm the resident pastor here at House on the Rock, um, London. We're so elated and excited that you honored the invitation to come and worship with us this morning. We believe that um, you've been blessed by this service. Um, if, you, if you are looking for a house in which to be planted, um, there are a lot of great houses. But this Sunday morning, we want to recommend to you the house 
on the rock. In this place, everybody can be somebody. We preach and teach the word of God without hypocrisy or without guile. To not just minister to your needs, but to minister to your destiny, your purpose. To cause you to become everything that God foreordained you to be. We want to guarantee that if you will give us three months of faithful worship and listening and sitting under the word of God here, that indeed you will have testimonies of not just growth, but supernatural turnarounds, miracles, and breakthroughs in your lives. Hallelujah. Amen. And can I let you in on an open secret? It would be my honor and my pleasure if you let me be your pastor. Amen and amen. Let's share the grace in fellowship and bring this service to a close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely God's goodness and God's mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.